Synchronicity will take you along. And here's your host, Travis William Skink Mateer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Zoomcron. I am your host, Travis Mateer, and this is episode 19, a number that's close to my heart, seeing as how I was born on the 19th of September. But then, like, this COVID thing came along and just kind of messed it all up for me because, you know, it's all about me, right? Uh, well, today's conversation, um, which happened, let's see, last Sunday, is a really fun one, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's with Adam Alamano and Chud X of the Into the Apocalypse podcast. Um, I'm very excited to be bringing this to you. Although it was a little interrupted by my unawareness that Zoom now, since I haven't updated it and I think paid the Piper, I haven't paid the Zoom Piper for the platform usage. And so all of a sudden I got this warning that I was about to uh, have to <laughs> um, pause or stop or update my, my Zoom account. And I, I was able to launch another hour quickly and uh, get the guys back on, but then you know, after I think another 45 minutes or so, got that another warning. And so we ended up wrapping it up. I could have talked to Chud X and Adam for much longer, but seeing as how technology wanted to put a constraint on things and seeing as how I had to get to watch a football game and see one of the most amazing games of the Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Um, it all worked out the way it was supposed to be the way it was supposed to and that's actually pretty pretty convenient um, and appropriate for the fact that we do discuss synchromysticism we discuss narrative control and the idea of tartaria um, but before we get to those conversations we didn't get into just the the joy of meeting like-minded people in meat space doing these meetups is something that's happening more and more um, no agenda the prop report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley, and then the higher side chat sort of really being the impetus, I think, um, not doing the meetups for the first time, but but I th really putting some more energy behind encouraging listeners to meet each other in the towns, in the cities where they're at, or in the countryside, or wherever you may find yourself, and want to talk about subject matters that we discuss in these interesting podcasts. So from podcast person to podcast people, myself and Adam and Chud, talk it up for as long as zoom allows us and that will be coming up i am recording this kind of late on tuesday january 25th so i'll be getting this episode out um, as soon as i can as soon as it's done bouncing and then i will be back next week i hope the technology if mercury retrograde allows me i have now become a believer of the impacts of mercury retrograde it seems to be a real thing so we'll, we'll see what what happens next week not next week. This week I have the interview with Dean Reiner, and it'll be put out next week. And um, the topic is one that's going to be, well, I mentioned it in this conversation coming up, but it's a, it's an interesting topic. We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening, and here is my conversation with Adam and Chud. 
All right, so I am recording a episode of Zoomcron. This is episode 19, which is a, a good number for me since I was born on the 19th, but for the world, not so good. COVID-19, kind of a drag, but we'll talk about not that. We'll talk about some other things with the guests today, Chud X and Adam Alamato of Into the Apocalypse. Welcome, gentlemen. What's going on, bro? Hey, thanks for having us. Well, and thank you for being flexible on the time. Um, we, we got a chance to actually reschedule, which, uh, like I was saying to you, Adam, before we got recording, I know when a reschedule happens as a synchromistic, that just means more information will be coming my way. Um, and of course, that's what happened. So we're going to be talking today about an interesting concept that's taken me a while to wrap my head around. So Tartaria is the, the topic I'm very excited to hear you guys um, just describe and get into. Um, and I'm going to bring my synchromysticism work to uh, a recent podcast of, of your guys's with Michelle Gibson, I believe, is the, the guest I listened to. Um, but before we get to that, I want you guys to get into a little bit about your podcasting history with Into the Apocalypse and how it branched out um, Adam, from your work initially with Deborah Gets Red Pilled. So I, I want to get a little bit into that and then the benefits of meeting up in real space and with real people in life, lifetime. So get into that a little bit. Introduce yourselves to listeners that might not know your guys' work. Okay. My name's Adam. I do the Deborah Gets Red Pilled podcast. And under that RSS feed, if you look that up, you'll find that podcast with my mother-in-law. Um, into the apocalypse with Chud X, where we talk about hardcore conspiracy stuff, get weird and try not to get like political or anything, talk about COVID or anything like that. We talk about weird shit. Yeah. And then uh, I do a uh, homesteading podcast with my wife, Emily, that nobody listens to, where we just have guests on and uh, we just talk. We bought a uh, 15 acre dilapidated um, homestead with a uh, farmhouse that's fallen down big money pit and um we're just kind of chronicling our journey into like bringing it back to life and uh learning how to raise animals and uh grow food and and do all that stuff be self-sufficient but um yeah i did 75 episodes with deborah it got a little weird um wasn't sure if i wanted to keep going with her and i'd met chud x through um one of the zoom meetups that monica perez did yeah and, uh, yeah and um found out they were from the uh, pacific northwest too i live in northwest oregon he's up in northwest washington and um my wife and i went on a big road trip uh, last summer to idaho montana washington back down to oregon and um i was one of the uh stops along the way on our way home we stopped at uh their homestead met them in person and camped out and oh yeah been great great friends since and um yeah when i thought that i wasn't going to do the show with deborah anymore i i talked to uh chud x here and asked him if he wanted to do a show with me and he jumped at the opportunity hey you guys can't play here yeah i sure Go did because uh my, my <laughs> joke is i always said uh Man, I'd really like to get into podcasting, but I want to put no effort into it whatsoever. <laughs> and I right. got a call. I got a call from Adam um, and he, he said, hey, you want to try this with me? And I was just like, yeah, sure. Uh, I've, I've always loved great conversations. So, you know, it's 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 a natural. And I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of podcasts within this this sphere of things yeah. that that we listen to. <laughs> 
And I do often find myself by myself going, oh, but, oh, there's no one here to hear me. <laughs> so it, it was kind of natural to step in like that. And now uh, we've been doing Into the Apocalypse. What do we got? Like uh, 13, 14 episodes? 13, 14 something episodes, like that. something like that. And yeah. uh, now me and my wife have uh, have thrown our hat into the content ring as well. Oh, nice. We just, we just started a new podcast uh, that we're calling The World As It Is Today. And uh, we have an Instagram for that. It's uh, That's probably the best way to find us at this time. We haven't advertised it too much yet. We've only huh. done three episodes. And so far, it's just been the two of us talking. I didn't but even we know to... you'd started yet. I thought I was going to be your first episode. No, not first episode. First guest. Right okay. now, really, we're just trying to figure out how our equipment <laughs> works. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we haven't, we haven't really shown it to anyone yet. We're just... Uh, we're just making sure that we we feel comfortable behind the equipment that we're using. So we're just having conversations like we'd like to have already without a microphone there. But it's really hard to do when, you know, you work full time, have a family, you have a homestead. The idea of us just being able to sit down and, and talk, unless we schedule it, it doesn't happen. So now we're yep, trying yep. to schedule little bits of time where we can just sit down and have these deep conversations that we've had for the last, you know, 13 years that we've been together. And uh, yeah, we're hoping that uh, the people will enjoy that and that we can kind of continue to be a part of the conversation instead of just listening on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Well, I, was, I think, go ahead. Go it, ahead. Was, uh, it was really cool when I first met um, Chad X here is that um, we're both well-versed in libertarianism thought theory he probably knows more than i do about economics and stuff but we both have like a good basis in that enough to realize that we don't really ever want to talk about it anymore and how boring <laughs> and it's funny to see all these a uh, couple people i know now have just like discovered anarchy and liberty and are like talking to people from the libertarian party which is the biggest joke in the world and like the drama that goes wrong around with that so it's cool to know that we're like we know that stuff well enough that we don't have to talk about it anymore and we can just get weird and talk about weird stuff yeah well you know you guys are i think highlighting something that that i've seen in the podcasting world which you know with this sort of low production uh barrier you can actually try things out um, because, you know, it's very easy once you get on a, a good sort of platform like Transistor, you, you pay a little bit of money, but um, it's nice to have a platform that can allow you to start a second or third podcast pretty easily. Um, and one of the things that I've seen with with you, Adam, is the flexibility and the risk taking um, to move away from something that was giving you some some pretty good numbers, right, in terms of downloads and the stuff that it's hard not to, to have your work be driven by the increasing audience that might come with some actual ability to monetize and make this more of a job so that you're not overburdened by the day job and all the other stuff that sucks your bandwidth. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's gutsy to move away from something that was getting so much positive feedback. I mean, in the podcasting world, Deborah gets red pilled was a phenomenon because um, those moments that were tough for you were some of the realest, most authentic moments that most people were familiar with those types of conversations with their, within their own families. And you were doing it in a very authentic, really tough way. Um, and you recognize to sort of preserve things in your own home life that maybe shifting, changing things was necessary, but you did so preserving this ability to still 
get inside the boomer brain with Deborah, yeah. you know, but also find the other things that you like to focus on, like Tataria, um, because there are so many interesting new ideas that are sort of emerging in this new field. You get to explore what you want and you don't have any boss to tell you, you know, this is good or this is bad. Um, so it's, it's really exciting time to do what you want, even though it might impact your numbers if you're moving away from something like Deborah gets red pilled. Yeah, it was, um, it was, I still check, I still check the numbers and I, my numbers are like a quarter of what they were at the height of, of me getting really what I thought were some pretty good numbers for like the genre of podcasting that I'm in compared to like, I compare myself with other people in my little sphere. I would think I was getting good numbers and uh, yeah, they dropped off and that could be for other reasons too. I could, you know, he could reach a certain amount of numbers and they're like, Oh, this guy's maybe we need to block some of those numbers and stuff. But right. um, you know, it does, it doesn't really matter if I get, 6,000 downloads or 800 downloads per episode. I'm not, I'm not making money from it or anything like that, but um, it's just, it's nice that I don't, I'm not on some fancy pay podcast network. They don't want us for some reason. And, um, and like, we don't, we're not beholden to anybody, um, you know, and uh, I'm, that's, that's kind of like my whole deal is I'm going to be as real as it gets. I'm, I'm not going to not say stuff because I think it will ruffle feathers. If it, if it, if I think it has the pur a purpose for me saying it, I'm going to, I'm always going to, that's how I've been my whole life. And that's why I don't have any friends, you know, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But other than that, um, yeah, it's just nice. Like just nice being able to get on here and talk and, and do, do what I want. And then I'm, I'm good friends with Chet X now. And I, get to do stuff with my wife and meet all kinds of new people and meet people that I've met on the internet that I get to meet in real life and, and do stuff like that. So in a year like 2020, 2021, where everybody was feeling like isolated and shut off from the world, it's like, I've, I've made more friends than ever in the past few years. So. Yeah, that's so true. That's true of me and my wife as well here. We, you know, when that, when COVID first uh, started, started popping up and they were saying things like social distancing and stuff, it was like, oh yeah, you guys are starting that now. Like we've been doing that for years. We've been, yeah. uh, we, we've been, it was always my joke. Uh, you know, people would say, Hey man, can you make it to this party tonight? And I'd say, Oh, you know, I'm going to be out of town, <laughs> you know, cause I live right outside of town. <laughs> yeah. Technically that's accurate. Right. And uh, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I kind of quit socializing on many levels you know, years ago, just cause, just cause I didn't want to really, I mean, it's, it's something that was more forced on me constantly that I was trying to evade than something that I would actually seek out. I, I had plenty of social interactions. All I had to do was not block them and, and do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, partway through 2020, it was like, man, this sucks. Those like, we can't, we can't talk to people. It was more for my, my son, really, you know, like he, he'd been involved with so many things. Uh, I mean, even take being involved with things out. Like we would go to parks and he would socialize with other children there. Now we were going to parks, going underneath the tape that told us not to go to the park and he'd be playing by himself. Right. You know, right. and uh, it started being like, man, we got to figure something out. That's why we, that led us to freedom cells. I'd been yep. kind of a part of freedom cells for a little while. Like I'd signed up on the website, but I'm not a very tech savvy guy. And it was kind of like, man, I don't really see what to do here. 
And then my wife did the same thing and she kind of came to the same conclusion, but we did find one person and then he had found some other people similarly and we kind of got a freedom cell going and, and now here it is a year and a half later and we're doing our Agora markets and um, you know, we're, we're involved. We do potlucks all the time and we have yeah. this whole, we have this like really tight social crew that we see on the regular that I actually enjoy seeing. It's not like, as I was describing earlier, where it felt that I was forced into social situations. Um, but instead it's like, oh, here's some people I can talk to. I can kind of rant about things and they're yeah. not going to think I'm crazy. They're, they're happy to see my face. They don't want to go, oh, why aren't you wearing a mask or whatever, you know, people might ask today. And that's been uh, invaluable. It's been so fascinating because um, now that Monica Perez and Binkley are, are kind of pushing the, the meetups that the higher side chat was promoting you. So you have Greg Carlwood getting that idea out there. Um, when he offered that as an opportunity, I jumped on it immediately. And so I've done three higher side chat meetups. And, you know, one of this ideas about numbers, you know, think about quantitative versus qualitative numbers, right? Um, I've met uh, one new person at each meetup and it's been awesome. I met a, a young guy at the first one. At the second one, I met a mom um, who's going through a ma major life change because of all of this madness. And she's got three kids that are uh, the exact sort of like same age range as my three kids. And we've had her over to a potluck since then. And then I just had a, a, a meetup on Thursday. Um, so today's Sunday. And uh, I met another new person and the bartender who was overhearing our conversation and started talking to us about McGill University um, and Justin Trudeau and all this stuff. And, and it, it was just amazing. The people that are coming into my life now, because it, it's sort of like this wake up call. You got to start really, I think, valuing your, your day to day moments and the people you're interacting with. And so many people kind of fell off by the wayside and stopped communicating with me. People in the arts community, people that I were progressive friends of mine, because I kind of came from the progressive world once upon a time. And now we, we all did. It's weird. It is the weirdest thing to, to be in this in this place to find these strange bedfellow alliances that are kind of emerging. So but it's been it's been it's been really fruitful for me. And it sounds like it's been fruitful for you guys. I mean, you guys are now hosting a podcast together. Mm -hmm. Have you uh I've heard them uh, advertise no agenda meetups in Missoula as well. Well, and that's that's funny because the guy that I met on Thursday, he started going to meetups because of no agenda. So, yeah, exactly. That was the first meetup he went was a no agenda meetup. And so, yeah, he saw a, a higher side chat pop up um, and I love it. It's it's fantastic because I think really oh. I, I am done. I know with national movements, uh, national politics. Um, I, I'm really interested in meeting people and networking within your community. So if the lights go off, um, if you're having struggle, like struggles with food, you know, sustainability, like, you know, we're in a, a place where we can go hunt pretty easily and, and do some things that are uh, something that other communities can't maybe. But I mean, it's time to make those local connections and stay away from uh, some of the bigger national politics stuff. Like I, I have no patience. I tried to have patience for some of the, the pro Trump QAnon stuff. But um, I find that the opportunity to raise the, the sophistication level of people that are getting suckered by sophisticated psyops. And so instead of getting angry and dismissive of those people, I'm trying to find those opportunities to show my enthusiasm for education. Um, and I've been researching the occult for so many years. And now with this new high, high level like psyop <laughs> operations against us, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to take the skills and knowledge we're learning as we listen to, to podcasts and to share that with people that are open to it. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
yeah with uh with with our with our little freedom cell that led us to there there's two other organizations around here one is like a statewide one and then one that's like a, a county one that are both uh i'll just say anti-mask anti-fax um anti-mandates kind of kind of groups and we trump yeah and that's what they end up translating to be and right. it's like when I go to those things, you know, I go to these meetings, they're like in a hall and there's a whole bunch of people and nobody's wearing masks. And I feel really comfortable walking in. But then 20 minutes in, it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like these guys are, are uh, you know, they're still in kindergarten when it comes to fe- It's what Adam was saying earlier yeah. about us having an understanding of liberty so we can talk about some deeper shit. These guys are just starting. This is forcing those people to start to understand what liberty is because I mean, they're still pro Trump, but they've just, all they've ever done is gone, man, things aren't going my way. I got to vote harder. And, <laughs> and they were, they, I've been to those meetups too here and they were, they worship the constitution, all this yeah. stuff like that. They think that the, that none of this is going to be able to happen because of the constitution is, is what it all will always boil down to with those people. Which I think that's cool. If someone thinks that I'm willing to have a conversation with you, but a lot of the people that I'm specifically thinking of are kind of a broken record about it. They're going, it's unconstitutional. And then it still happens. And then they go, okay, well, they can't go any farther because that'll be unconstitutional. And then it happens and they go, well, now it's really going to be unconstitutional. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, haven't you figured it out yet? Everything, everything is unconstitutional. Just about everything is. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The, the, the predator class is going to do what they do. Right. And that's and that's it. And we have to instead, like with the Freedom Cell, the small group of of people who are very like minded, you know, we talk about spirituality and, uh, you know, like a solstice. We had a giant group meditation and, you know, like just cool stuff, stuff that's pushing me outside of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. That's that's been really good. I mean, that's um, that is real progress in a good community feeling not going and sitting with a bunch of people who are talking about the constitution. And really, if I raise my hand and talk, all I'm there to do is go, no, you guys are full of shit. You know, like I don't want to be that guy in the room. Well, so here's an idea. Here's a strategy, because I've been talking about this recently uh, when it comes to the pro pro Trump folks, since it seems like there's this more uh, energy building again for Trump as white hat savior. Right. And so I, I don't want to LARP into that fairy fairy tale land. And so one of the questions you can ask people as a kind of soft redirect is, oh, hey, are you familiar with uh, the name Roy Cohn? And a lot of people won't be because they're, they are in kindergarten in terms of the conspiracy world. Um, and if they don't know who Roy Cohn is, be like, well, you know, why don't you look into him? Because, uh, you know, Trump's mentor, Roy Cohn, um, more than likely has some bodies at some point buried on his property. Um, and like he, he's a dangerous person, as is a lot of these people at, at the higher echelons. Um, and so if you're waiting for white hat Trump to come in and save you, that, that's cool. There's work to do in our county. If you don't have your sheriff behind you, um, if you don't have your school boards behind you, there's plenty of work to be done there. It's not as fun and you might piss off other parents in your social circles. Um, but that's where the work needs to happen. Not um, some of these big tours that are happening. I see local activism and local energy getting sucked into some of these statewide Republican groups. And I'm just not all that interested unless they're going to help me get my kids out of masks because I'm not ready to make a jump out of public school yet. Um, but they are in masks still. So no amount of posturing politically from Republicans has helped my kids. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think with those people, they're all, like I said, I, I'm willing to talk to someone who leans on the Constitution, in my opinion, too much. 
but I'm willing to talk to that one person or, or maybe a couple. But when you're in a room full of people who are all kind of preaching that I'm not there to try and change the direction of this roller coaster that they've got going. Yeah, I th- yeah. and, and in fact, it, it, you know, contrary to my own beliefs, I think that their roller coaster is awesome and that they should be on it. It's <laughs> yeah. just not the place for me at this time. But, you know, if if that was going on five years ago, I would have probably been there. Uh, you know, cause I wasn't quite as broken from the, from the matrix as I, as I am now, I would be the libertarian guy in the Republican room, <laughs> right, not, right. not the anarchist in the, uh, which I don't even consider myself an anarchist anymore, but I I'm not the guy who thinks that the whole thing is fake in the room full of Republicans. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's a harder, harder yeah. sell, but I would love to talk to every one of those people that want to talk to me one-on-one, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make progress every time. But it's that it's that big room mentality that I'm not there to try and shift that. Absolutely. Well, one yeah. of the things that oh, sorry, go go ahead, Adam, add to that, add to that. Well, that I think the whole Roy Cohn thing is is really interesting, but that would require somebody to go like read something. Yeah. And do Which some you research. Could, you could get that you could, I mean, you got one yeah, on uh, one. I think even more than than Roy Cohn, what would work is is Alan Dershowitz, right? Or Fauci, <laughs> or saying that you people are taking the MAGA jab, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the Trump vaccine. Trump did. Why didn't Trump fire Fauci? Was that 5d chess or, or what's going on there? You know, well, yeah, and, random and, Randy was calling it the mega jab the other day. And I've, I've hung on to that since then I'm saying it hundred yeah. percent of the time. It's, the it's ma- a wonderful oh. thing. Yes. Um, Cause that, that also can kind of uh, diffuse or, or maybe scramble some expectations because do people forget warp speed? Um, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, where are we? But like locally, as I've been um, kind of talking more to Christian groups and showing a portion of the documentary that I, I came out with a couple of weeks ago, I showed a portion at a church. Um, there is a lot of frustration at our statewide uh, secretary of state, uh, for example, and the, the election apparatus that really looks to be pretty corrupt across the country when it comes to the algorithms and um, all the software that's, that's being utilized. And so there's a growing awareness among some conservatives that statewide offices and people like Christy Jacobson, who's our secretary of state, you know, are tied into national organizations. They get funding from these national organizations for this technology, and they are not open, even on the conservative side at the state level in Montana. They're not all that open to taking a real critical look county by county at at the shenanigans that look to have been playing out this last election cycle. And so there is an opportunity right now. Um, but when I go on Rockfin, I listen to Jason Burmis that's, you know, he's putting out the reawaken tour and you listen to some of the, the people at the, on the national stage and you kind of hear these carnival barkers <laughs> and it becomes like this, uh, kind of Christian, right. Um, Jesus talk. I, I know a lot of people are kind of turned off by that. I, I love Sam Tripoli's shape-shifting Jesus that, that gets me back into some Jesus stuff on a positive side, but I understand the, the kind of aversion towards that. Because I moved away from organized religion in, in back in the day, and uh, although I feel the spiritual pull, I get that feeling sometimes in some of these church settings. Yeah, I, we've okay. we've been having a couple guys on recently that that call themselves Christians, you know, young conspiracy guys, and they. Uh, I was trying to talk to one of them about it, and he just he was just like, I was like, do you go to like a building? on Sundays. And he was just like, no, I don't do any of that stuff. So it's definitely, and I know I've talked about it with Chud X and it's like within the last year, reconsidering some form of 
Christianity as our yeah. form of spirituality has been something that we've both been interested in, I think, but just not really followed through with. So sometime in the podcast coming up, I want to maybe get into that a little bit with some people too. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, I've, I've come, I was raised Christian. And by the time I was 13, certainly by the time I was 15, I was like, this is all a bunch of crap. I, I, I would rather worship Satan than do what you people are doing. <laughs> but, you know, I was also, I, I ran away from home at that time. And, you know, I, I really rejected a whole lot of things about my family and community and yep. a whole lot of things. I, I, I really went the other direction as far as I could. And I was an atheist for most of my life from that point until, well, I don't know. It started chipping away a little bit longer ago than I think of, uh, because I started, I started, um, I got really pressed hard about when life began, if I believe in evolution. And I really got backed into a corner where I was like, okay, okay, something is a creator, but that doesn't make me religious. But I did get backed up to that point, like for real, like I couldn't huh. answer it. Yeah, there must, something had to have been created at some point. And that, you know, that was actually closer to like 20 years ago, but it's more really in like the last eight, 10 years that I've, that I've stopped saying that I'm an atheist in any way. And now in the last two to three years, I've come, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Right. I believe in a whole lot of things that I had completely set aside for atheism because, well, you know, like a lot of people are observing now, atheists, uh, it's its own religion. It's, it's its own set. It's a, it's a worship of science or the state or a combination yeah. of those things. And uh, it was a, it was a long twisted path to get there, but. Atheist, especially atheists made it really easy for me to not be there anymore. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, it was, it was atheists that drove me out of it because I was becoming more and more open-minded. I had, I had admitted the idea of a creator and then as I'm staying and becoming more and more open-minded, I'm hearing more and more militantly close-minded arguments from people that I would have agreed with just a few years before. And it pushed me all the way over, but now just in, since March of 2020, um, specifically, like you just, you just, that point, I really opened my mind to Christianity. I'm not a Christian at this point, but I certainly could become one. Um, I, I'm, I'm a few experience, few proper experiences away from 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 coming to believe something like that but i've also entertained things so far on the other side uh you know i've i've entertained ideas like that uh um that uh jesus is well, either jesus is everyone's savior but the whole church has been built around worshiping his death and his demise and that the church itself is actually a bad thing based on the savior or that maybe the savior Jesus was Satan and that everything's all screwed up in that direction. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see myself taking a real plunge, but boy, do I ever respect Christians more in these last two years than I did for 20 years prior. Well said, well said. And um, I think I want to pivot to Tartaria now because I, ha I have something that I want to share with you guys. I, I do want to mention though, I'm getting some kind of like upgrade warning saying that I have to upgrade because I only have nine minutes left. Uh, so I, I might have to, to pause really quickly to do like a zoom upgrade. 
Um, okay. Yeah, or you could start another. Um, you could record another meeting. You probably because if you have more than one guest, you're only allowed to go a certain amount of time. If you oh. don't, unless you pay. Oh, that, oh, is that how it, it works? <clears throat> yeah. So you could. At, I I've never seen one of those ten minute warnings, but you could probably stop the the meeting at that time and then start another one. If Excellent. You, you're a you're a editing genius, so you could figure that out. I might have to, to do that on the fly. Well, let's see what we can kind of accomplish in, in, in the next um, eight minutes. But I'll, I'll do a setup and, and then we'll probably have to pause and then I'll kind of keep going. But um, Tartaria <clears throat> is a concept I've really not understood at all um, because I think I was thinking of like a place, you know, um, instead of maybe a, an older civilization. But the way that I kind of want to initially frame it is that, um, Adam, when I was listening to you discuss Tartaria in one of your podcasts, you mentioned a sort of spiritual aspect for you um, because it's this new way of looking at your immediate surroundings. Like wherever you go, you can take this new way of looking at your surroundings and apply it. And so there, there was this aspect for you that really seemed to be a, a, a new site, right? So this expansion of what you came to understand the world might be about. And um, part of my interest is narrative control. Part of my um, not liking Christianity was the narrative control that's obvious if you talk about edited books and, you know, some dude named Constantine putting this stuff together. Um, and I started getting interested in Gnostics. King George. Right, right. Well, and then like the secret Christians, which is like what we feel like now when we're like meeting in secret potlucks with like-minded people. Um, it feels like we're kind of like these secret people meeting again, and we have to have symbols to show that we're we're okay with this, like, you know, not putting the kids in masks and putting jabs in arms of everyone. But um, so maybe frame it a little bit, Adam, in, in the time we have left before I have to pause, um, what Tartaria, how you kind of got into it and, and why it's this new sense of looking at the world for you? Um, yeah, just like everybody else, you know, two and a half, three years ago um, in the in the old time, I heard somebody start talking, you know, I heard people on podcasts start talking about Tartaria. I heard about I heard red bricks on on tinfoil hat i couldn't make any sense of what he was talking about i wanted to figure stuff out i wanted to like figure out how to dip my toe into it and i couldn't find a good place to jump in and have something that clicked in my head um i heard you know within the last year and a half i heard this guy named howdy mikowski i heard him first on Freeman Flies show. And then right after that, I heard him on Crow Triple Seven show. And he talks about, I'm not sure he even ever says Tartaria. He's been I've on never, my show. I've never heard him say the word. <laughs> he's been on my show too. He's a hard guy to get, but he's a really cool guy. And he's got a whole bunch of other cool stuff about Egypt and Plato's Cave and all sorts of stuff. He has a oh, YouTube nice. channel. He's amazing. Um, and he's written a bunch of books, but he was on Freeman Fly talking about the um expositions of the late uh 19th century and earliest 20th century like the chicago exposition um these world's fairs what they had in every major city in america and around the world you know st louis buffalo um and talking about just he he specifically started talking about the Chicago World's Fair, which was built in eight from 1891 to 1893. It was a uh, 700 acre site filled with canals 
enormous buildings that could house 300,000 people. Um, you know, just huge Ferris wheels makes you start thinking about words like Ferris. What does Ferris also mean besides F-E-R-R-I-S? Think of it as F-E-R-R-O-U-S. And um, so like, in, and he's talking of they built this, this, this fair site in two years with, you know, no modern technology. Um, and it's not, it's not possible that it could be done. He, uh, wow. he said he went and talked to some guy that he knows who works for some big, uh, like Skanska level, um, construction company. It was like, if we wanted to get this done in, you know, 2018, what would it take? And he'd be like, the guy, the guy told him that it would take him two years to draw up the blueprints first. Wow. They built this thing in two years. He said that it would take like four, this is unlimited manpower with like today's, today's technology. Today's like, technology. He's like, it would take like two years, two, three years to do the site work, build all these canals, move all the dirt. And it's just, and this is, this is repeated in every town that they did it in. They had one in Portland. Um, it's really cool that if you look them up, there's like these old posters of them that show them drawn out. And, and they I just blow got, all these things up at the end too. Yeah, so they have these fairs. They they have them for uh, six six months. People, millions and millions of people come from all over the place and wander around and look confused, and uh and then they um then they blow them up, and um because that makes sense. No, doesn't make sense. The narrative. Well, you know, is, go, Paul. Oh, go, Chad. Something something within that that uh, was a real it helped me turn a corner <clears throat> was when. Howdy talks about the idea of like who went to these to these world's fairs, all the people who became teachers and, and the people who brought information back. They went and they what they would have seen there, you know, they would have gone and they would have seen the pyramids being built by Egyptians as a, as a recreation. They would have seen battles in Rome. Uh, you know, they, with, with great armor, you know, like they would have gone all out, you know, the costumes yeah, would be they amazing. Had, they had human zoos. Yeah. So they have, would have zoos. like African people living in a, in a simulated African village. They'd have Eskimos wow. rowing canoes, wearing, wearing skins, going into an igloo. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, everything like that. And it's, it, it would always be like to frame them in a way that, Oh, look at these primitive savages. But then you start the thing it's really hard and then something will click with you it's like what if those people weren't weren't like that and that's the narrative yeah yeah what if all these people that went were fed a line of bullshit like oh yeah everyone was primitive they moved rocks like this they did this and that yeah but eskimos lived in igloos and like the equivalent of watching a bunch of movies today but these people would have gone and seen it with their own eyes you know like they would have they would have had this whole narrative of the world's history displayed to them like like a film except even more immersive because you're you're there and uh and then if those people went back and became the school teachers everywhere in the small towns and then they open their textbook which they've received from whoever to to teach the kids and it talks about the pyramids being built they're going to get excited we know who those textbooks are from man they're from the rockefellers and they would read it and they would probably get excited and be like i saw this i know this i'm going to be able to explain this to my students better than anyone else ever could because 
I was like practically there because I saw, <laughs> because I watched the movie 300, I can right. tell my students really well about, about the, the Persian war or whatever that movie was about. I never actually the, saw about it. Thermopylae pass. It's yeah. a good movie. You should watch it. It's, I've it's heard really it's entertaining. Whoa, it's a lot of man. buff dudes. My my That's brain hot. my brain is churning right now. You guys have um, I, I knew a little bit about the the sort of world fairs and the expo uh, like expo and the Chicago stuff. Um, but the way you kind of framed it um really now is clicking for me in some of the ways in terms of uh the, the show Carnival. So the show Carnival is the synchromysticism content that I'm going to to bring in a second when I figure out how to to do this little switcheroo here. So we're going to go ahead and pause. And okay, so I wanted to just interject here really quickly since um, there was sort of a, an abrupt ending. I did edit out a little bit of blabber that was not really pertinent to the conversation. Um, and then I was able to utilize technology to get a second Zoom chat going. So we will be bringing that up right now. Okay, well, this is kind of like part two. I did not mean to do a two-part <laughs> series with uh, with Chud X and Adam Alamano from Into the Apocalypse, but uh, since I don't have a paid Zoom account, apparently if I have more than one person, I only get an hour to talk with you guys. So an hour is not long enough when you just are getting into the topic of Tartaria. So we were, <laughs> we were just beginning and then i had to send you guys new links for a whole new chat so we are back and we are just now getting into to tartaria so um i think adam you were talking i don't know if you were wrapped up or if chad wanted to chime in about how this topic sort of emerged in his consciousness but um who wants to to take take it from here well i wouldn't mind going there because <clears throat> adam brought it all the way up to howdy mikowski which yeah. you know i i go back a little bit before hearing howdy as well when i first heard it well first i maybe preface by saying uh for 10 years plus before i'd heard of tartaria i was uh i was pretty into alternative archaeology concepts yeah. uh graham hancock uh stuff just keeps getting older uh you know gobekli tepe was like whoa you know there's so much i was i was in this mode for many many years of that there's something more to the human history than we know right and and the, and and even more that academics are hiding that from us that there's that there's something that they don't want us to know and i spent a lot of time on the idea that i thought that um just flat out for a long time it was my belief that uh 10, plus years ago was when the real human story was happening um that it kind of came to an end ten thousand years ago that uh the younger dryas was was a cataclysmic event that kind of wiped humans out and that we've been struggling to get back to something that we were before that time yeah and i still believe that in a sense um and in fact, when I first heard of Tartaria, it as as well, I think me and Adam probably at the same time heard heard red bricks on tinfoil hat. And he's on there a hundred times over saying everything is a melted building. Rocks are melted buildings, mountains are melted buildings. It all used to be Tartaria and it's all been destroyed. And I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> but I like it. Uh, so I started looking around at mountains around me and going, you know what? They all do kind of look like, 
like melted castles with spires around them, you know, like a big yeah. section. And we, oh, we do mining on, on these mountains and find gold in mountains all the time. So oh, maybe they were full of, full of precious metals and that all got melted down in there. It, it was just this kind of like, okay, I, I have a hard time believing, because he also at that time said that, and this all happened 150 years ago. And I could, I just couldn't, I could not get my head wrapped around that. But I started kind of, kind of, you know, thinking on this whole idea, like, oh man, maybe this Tartaria stuff he's talking about, like maybe that ancient civilization that I felt so, so, so much so was true for so long. Like maybe this was Tartaria. Maybe they were giants and, 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 you know, mountain sized castles and that we had technology that actually destroyed ourselves or, you know, would kind of play with different ideas on how, how people, you know, not, not just 10,000, but like a hundred thousand or a million years ago could have done this, that the, that 10,000 years ago is the rebuilding from the destruction of a much bigger society, a hundred thousand years before that, you know, real, real fun stuff to think about. But Anytime I'd see the word Tartaria, I was on it. Like, I want to hear what these people have to say. And every time it seemed to add something new that I'd take away, like going, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, and almost everyone, I think I want to say everyone that I'd ever listened to always put this emphasis on recently. It was recently. It wasn't it wasn't a million years ago. It wasn't 10,000 years ago. It wasn't a thousand years ago. It was just before my great grandpa's time 1850 you know? and um it and 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 that it wasn't until howdy Mikowski and really examining those world's expositions that i started going dang i think maybe all history is a lie it's not not that it is a lie i think it could be a lie i think there is room in my understanding of things that it's all propaganda and that nothing happened the way we're told. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, so Tartar, um, the, the idea of like, uh, this actual location, um, in the old world. So Russia or like the, like, what do you guys know about the Tartars or the, this idea of, um, a location and actually in Russia, is that something that you're familiar with? Caucasus mountains, the, the Caucasus mountains, chin, chin beard, Muslim area. White guy, okay. white Muslims with chin beards that are really good at MMA. That's Tartaria. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Kazakhstan ask- and all that. Yeah. Uzbekistan, all that stuff there. I'm, I'm asking because um, right now I'm holding up a, a book and I, I included a little image of this in a blog post recently. And I'll include that link in the show notes. Um, and it's really, really hard oh, to see. I see it Revolt there. Revolt of the Tartars. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. So I go to the antique mall here all the time. This is written by Thomas De Quincey, and it's uh, it was reclaimed from a cabin in Montana, and it says 1901. Wow. And it, it's it got me thinking um, in terms of you know sort of Russia old world stuff, and and so Carnival is a show that I'm watching. Are you guys familiar with Carnival? No, yeah. I'm not. I, know, I, I remember. Know I remember when it was out. I remember trying to watch it because I thought it was just going to be like a creepy, funny show about carnies, but it yeah. was oh, a bit too deep for me at that time. And I, I owe it another uh, another watch, I think. Chad, how about you? Are you familiar with it at all? I, I knew someone who was watching it back in the day. It was like an HBO yeah. show, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I remember some people saying that they liked it and that I should check it out, but I never, never saw it. 
So I was a big fan back in the day. I had graduated college here in Missoula, 2003. Um, the show came out 2004 and 2005. And so a bunch of my college buddies who stayed in town, we used to watch um, Six Feet Under. And I think HBO kind of launched Carnival after that. And so on Sundays, we would gather together and watch each episode. And so we were really into this and very upset that they cut it short. It was supposed to be a lot longer. It only had two seasons from 2004 to 2005 and didn't have a huge fan base, but had a huge cost of production. So each episode was like three, four million dollars at the time. And it takes place in the Dust Bowl. It's like 1934. And Nick Stahl plays the sort of protagonist and Clancy. I can't remember his last name, but uh, Justin Crow is the uh, the sort of Luciferian satanic sort of uh, nemesis in, in the show. And one of the first synchronicities I, I had watching it is this point in which Nick Stahl's character, who realizes he's got these abilities and is trying to find his father, he sees Hotel Astoria. So he's on, on, the, on the sort of path to try and find his father. He's in like Texas, New Mexico areas where the carnival is traveling. So Nick Stahl is with the carnival, the Ferris wheel, plays a huge role. I mean, when you said Ferris wheel in Chicago, I'm like, Oh yeah, of course, you know, of course we're talking about carnies already. And we're not even talking about the show carnival yet, but um, hotel Astoria is actually a hotel in St. Petersburg, Russia. And the, the story also takes place sort of like they tell the backstory of um, Nick Stahl's father and there's world war one scenes and this Russian bear and, and something happens in the old world. Um, and I'm, let me take a look at my notes because I had a couple notes that I wrote down. Um, part of part of what Nick Stahl realizes he is is like an avatar essentially, and he 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 writes down on a I, I can't it's like a piece of wood or something Tavatar. Then he crosses out the T and it says Avatar, and as part of his realization of these abilities that he has and how this is part of a every generation. Um, the good and the bad avatars manifest and they play out this battle. So he realizes he's like the good avatar and he has to find his adversary because he's got the ability to sort of stop the adversary. Um, and it's very David Lynchian. The little guy from Twin Peaks is, is in it. Um, and it just I, there's something for me watching the show that that really started hitting on some stuff that I've already been looking into. Uh, I'll pause there for a second and see if you guys have any feedback. No, not really. No. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely intrigued by the show. I want to. Yeah. I want to check it out. And knowing there's only two seasons makes it sound better because I don't want 500 hour long episodes of anything. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Here's a here's an aspect of something that happens that I I don't think is a spoiler because I don't necessarily want to ruin it for you guys. But um, blue blood. What is up with blue blood? I've heard about blue blood and like crabs and blue blood is royalty and blue blood is. You know, but but that's an aspect of the show. And I'm kind of curious if you guys are familiar or if that, you know, tricks any kind of associations with you. Blue blood. Yeah, I've heard some people talk some pretty crazy stuff about blue blooded crabs and like yeah, who DNA. brought that who brought that up recently? I heard it. I've heard it, it recently. Like I haven't heard it too recently, so I might not have heard what you heard. It was part it was... of the jab conversation. It popped up a, like months ago and, and I want to say someone was saying that like the DNA of blue blooded crabs is 
identical to humans something like that uh, it's how they get um it's like they can harvest like an adrenochrome type substance out of blue blood crabs okay yeah 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 (laughs) and that's how they got the name of that's how they started calling like the wealthy elites blue bloods or something like that Interesting. Well, this is an area of inquiry that I'm going to be um, traveling down. And um, one of the final sort of synchronicities that that hit with this show for me, um, that hits on the Christianity aspect of what's happening and how for me, I think synchronicities are really something outside of how we experience time, whether it's, uh, you know, people that we know that have passed or other entities that aren't tied to, to meet space. You know, I start getting this feeling more and more that we are being steered if you're sort of open and receptive to the, to this stuff. Um, and part of that is the people I'm meeting in real, real space. Part of it's the conversations I'm having with you guys. Um, but as I'm watching this show and I, there's clear religious connotations to, to all this stuff. And there's a, a small little moment where um, management is no longer around and the little guy, the little midget guy is having a hard time dealing with this. And he sees a little piece of fabric that had been used to cover management who has since ascended. And the image of management is sort of captured on this cloth. Does, does that sound familiar? An image. An image of Jesus or Mother Mary being caught in different places. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So um, to, to kind of connect this, um, I don't know if I ever talked with you guys about the, the guy that was killed at the Pavarello Center. So I used to work at a homeless shelter here in Missoula, Montana. Um, he was assaulted on January 3rd, 2020, and he was removed from life support two days later. Um, I have since gotten to know his family, especially one of his sisters. Um, I've also talked with his father. Um, his father, Dr. Kenneth Stevenson, is an amazing man. And I, I credit the family with being so effing humble that I did not realize who this guy was. You know, it's been two years since, since Sean has died. Um, the family still doesn't have answers to really what happened. Um, but what, I have two books from Dr. Kenneth Stevenson that I had ordered. And so they came a couple of weeks ago and he had told me a story about, and I don't know how much of the story is really for me to tell. Let's just say he should have died in Vietnam and he didn't. He gave his life to God and to Jesus, you know, at that, at that time. And the work that he started doing is on the Shroud of Turin. And the Shroud of Turin, he's written books about it. And, and the reference that I see in this in the show, Carnival, it's, it's clearly a reference to the Shroud of Turin. Um, and there are so many other synchronicities I've experienced with this family, um, with what happened to Sean. It, stuff that continues kind of freaking me out a little bit. Um, next week, I'm going to be interviewing Dean Reiner because the stuff that he has done on targeted individuals is amazing and significant and scary as shit and scary as shit. I mean, I, I mentioned this at the propaganda report interview I did with Monica and Binkley and someone has already emailed me claiming to have been a targeted individual for three years. And I don't even want to respond to the email and I don't, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of feel bad, but it's like, um, you know, I, I have yeah, some check out uh, like so synchros go like yeah I was listening to Freeman Fly the new episode right before I got on here uh-huh. and it's just an it, he put out an old episode from 2017 of him and him and Tracy Twyman it's an amazing episode okay uh, so, you check that out yeah 
So when, when you mentioned that um, an aspect of Carnival, I wasn't even going to mention it, but since you did, I have to, obviously. Um, Templars play a role in Carnival. And I mentioned when I talked to you guys with Dean that I, I have Tracy a couple of her books that I shelled out the money to, to get. Um, yeah, she's talking about that um, that book where she talks about the Templars and all the gay stuff they did and all that. She blew my mind about Templars back then. You know, and, and, and honestly, Dean's three episodes he did is some of the best information out there and has really helped me um, start understanding how technological tools of harassment may have been something that was developed back in the day for military purposes and maybe used in some capacity against like environmentalists by big corporations. But some of the whistleblowers that Dean highlights that discuss things like um, these tools being on the street level and being used for almost like a, there's a market for harassment, like back in the day, snuff films, there's a, there's a market for snuff films for torture porn. You know, there's sick people out there that want to feed their, their sick, you know, addictions. And it, it really started getting me thinking differently about um, some of the stuff that's happened because Sean Stevenson was assaulted by Johnny Lee Perry. Okay. Johnny Lee Perry is from Oakland. So your neck of the woods, Adam, yeah. um, he, Johnny Lee Perry, I, I took footage of him in August of last year. And I put that footage out on my blog, just a, a small portion of it. Two weeks later, he was shot and killed by sheriff deputies. Um, but in April, um, so before that, that August situation back in April, when I first met Johnny Lee Perry and talked to him, he told me he was a targeted individual and he told me I was going to be one next wanted to show me YouTube videos on my phone. And I, I wouldn't let him see my phone, but, um, there's been a lot of other things that I'm going to get into with Dean. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's, it's been fascinating because synchronicities are a part of this. And I, I derive positive things for the most part from synchronicities, but they can also start happening to the point where I call them like a synchronicity storm where you start really questioning reality and it can, it can really turn on you and, and create some paranoia that I think might be part of this narrative control aspect and uh, an amount of force projection that some of these psychopaths maybe want us to believe that they have because the Tracy Twyman stuff, man, that, that freaked me out listening to her, her description of what she allegedly was experiencing is pretty yeah, that, that pretty whole fucked up. one of those episodes that he has in that trilogy or four parter is like it's like her talking for like yep. 40 minutes yeah. or something yeah, yeah it's I, like I, 35 I 38 and episode then, um, number. Yeah. those are so good i can't remember if he plays it on on one of those episodes but there's there's a, a part where greg carlwood's talking about um about her death um and like all these people like start all oh, um turned on him a little bit yeah they turned it? on him and it's it's spooky you can tell and you can hear it i think it's you can find it either there i've listened to the episode i think but he talks you know how he does his outro on his show yeah it's yeah. like a 15 minute outro of him like talking about like uh, talking about it and he's scared you can tell he's spooked yeah it's i just want to interject Real yeah. quick, I don't want to get off from where we're at, but just you're talking about synchronicities, Tracy Twyman, all this. Just earlier in this this show, when I was talking about Christianity, and I was saying I'd entertained some some pretty wild ideas about uh, the questioning of Jesus and Satan and all of that. I was thinking of Tracy Twyman and some of the stuff she talked about about the the Baphomet and the possibility of of that being uh, uh, Jesus's head and that Jesus is possibly 
the, who they were worshiping in the form of Satan and that there's been like a massive flip. I don't know. That's just kind of, I was like, I'm not going to go there, but that's, you know, that was like yeah, what, yeah. what I was thinking of. And then I had no idea you were going to bring her up or Dean Reiner or any of this stuff. It's just, it's wild how many synchronicities there are all the time. This, this topic especially seems to generate even more when you start engaging with it. Um, like more things start happening. And, and it's been really interesting in, in a positive way, meeting some people. Um, one of the guys I met, the first guy I met at the on the higher side chat meetup um, is actively, you know, looking into Aleister Crowley and he's a younger guy. So I was able to say, hey, you know, a lot of people get into Aleister Crowley and just love that do what thou wilt, but you need to be very aware of, of what your, your choices are and what do what thou wilt could mean because so much of what this Baphomet entity is, is, is contracts. You know, you are entering into contracts in ways I think people don't even realize. And now we have this ultimate, you know, you're getting something put into your body and, and what, what larger sort of contractual decision is there of, you know, to sort of violate the sanctity of your own body, your own autonomy. Um, and so it just seems like the reason why these synchronicities are happening is because we have, whether it's our ancestors, I mean, the, the work of Ross Ben, uh, Mark Steves, Michael Wan, Christopher Knowles, these people are amazing and they are all Absolutely. doing similar work because we are all getting help, I think, in, in these little pushes and these little weird synchronicities that we are, I think all of us are more and more paying attention to. Um, but man, this stuff can freak me out and it really can turn on you uh, and, and lead you into some, some uh, kind of dark places, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, syn synchronicities have always been in fascination to me I, I never use that term or at least I, I i didn't realize to use that term until somewhat more recently but all the way back to when i was a kid uh yeah anytime it was like someone would uh would call me on the phone and be like oh i was just thinking about you yep. i'd always point these out and now i realize i was always pointing out synchronicities but i'd always just i was always pointing out coincidences and uh it was always interesting to me. Some people would find that also to be interesting and other people would be like, yeah, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but synchronicities have just always, you know, it's, it's, it's almost been like my, my, what I lean on for, for segue in conversation. Someone starts talking about something and it, and it rings a bell to me like, man, I can't believe you're bringing that up. I was just talking to someone else about that five, five hours ago, you know? Well, you know, in the same way that Tartaria it can ex expand maybe the way that people perceive the world, I, I am just mystified why different ideas can be so threatening because the idea of germ theory versus terrain theory, I am so excited about the idea of terrain theory and how um, when we are in person talking, we might be interacting on such a minute level that, you know, those conversations you're talking about, maybe you're actually picking up um, elements of a person's thought before it's even verbalized. You know, there's so much more amazing possibilities in this expansive sense of the universe that I know that I'm finding. Um, and that's not something I found in traditional church back in the day. I mean, I, my traditional rebellion was to go do drugs and listen to Marilyn Manson. And it took me, you know, having to listen to Antichrist Superstar um, to realize that this dude was dark and I, it was making me depressed, you know? Um, but the synchronicities early on came through music and it came through other media. And so it's interesting as I continue looking at those signposts in popular culture, both kind of good and bad, you know, the things that we're all sort of picking up on and responding to, you guys got to check out carnival. It is, it is an intense show. I haven't finished it. I still have the last episode to watch. 
Um, but there are some definite uh, ahead of its time uh, things that are going on with it that I think could be valuable and give you some insights. Who made it? Oh, good question. Who did make it? I looked into that and then promptly forgot. Um, but it, it's so David Lynchian. It's just, you know, it, it really feels like this um, very heavy, you know, good versus evil, obviously, but um, in a way that that it almost seems like um, I, I have some crazy ideas that I'm developing, too, about the avatar in the sense that we are all here in this soul school that we come down here to to slowly evolve ourselves to this ability to do this like little showdown where we get to like, you know, face off with our shadow self. And then that maybe is where we graduate to some higher realm, you know, um, but I like those kind of ideas. We're, we are definitely in proximity to some pretty creepy stuff down here. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm meeting more people, like I said, and, and having really positive conversations about down here. Okay. So this is Travis interjecting one more time, because at this point in the recording, the audio goes to hell. Um, and when I say the audio goes to hell, well, uh, l let me just, <laughs> let me tell you, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me show you by, by playing what happened to the audio. So this is what the audio started sounding like um, at about 64 minutes in. So just check this out. I, I'm more people like that and, and having positive conversation down here. Um, but at the same uh, more people and, and positive conversation yeah so um that's fun and by fun i mean that's really fucking obnoxious so unfortunately thus ends the conversation i had with with adam and judd um i'll get someone with with more technological know-how than i currently possess to see if there's anything i can do to, to salvage that but um, I suspect maybe this was Zoom's subtle way of, of telling me that I need to do something like upgrade, pay money more than likely um, in order to get the platform functional so that I, a little lowly podcaster that just do this so much because I, I do this because I love it, not because anyone's giving me any money, really. There's a little donations that are coming in for the documentary, but um, just a, a really a, a perfect way to end this day in particular, um, the way this week has started off, just fantastic. I, I, I Can you hear the sarcasm in my voice? Because it's there. So uh, yeah, no, you're uh, listening to ZoomCron. This is episode 19. I'm your host, Travis Matier. I'm doing my best to put out an episode once a week. You can check out the blog, ZoomCron blog. I write there almost daily. This is going to be a big week. A lot of stuff is happening um, also trying to get out there and promote the Engens Missoula documentary. That's you can go to EngensMissoula.com. That's E-N-G-E-N-S-M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A.com. You can go there. You can check out the documentary. It's a three-part documentary series, three hours and change about tax increment financing. We we make something that sounds so not fun. It's so engaging. It's sexy. It's hot. It's rebellious. You got to check it out. Um, and anything else business-wise. I got lots of stuff coming up this, this week, this month, this year. Um, I, I was up way too late last night in constructing a mobile billboard contraption. I'm not going to get into specifics yet. Because first Friday is is still about a week and a half away, but but trust me, 
there's going to be some fun stuff happening and it's going to be videotaped we're going to record this stuff because why why do it unless you can record it and share it with others in this modern day so i'm going to stop rambling working out my frustration that um all of a sudden it went into some kind of demonic possession mode but you have like i said been tuning in to another episode of zoom Grun, and i'll be back next tuesday hopefully with a interview with dean reiner so thanks for listening see you next week